Welcome to the Emerging Temple broadcast for November 18, 2019. I am Michael Obeyer. I will be your guide for the rest of this broadcast. At Emerging Temple, we seek to analyze current events within the context of God's plan for mankind, a plan in which he intends at the end of time to raise up a government of people who will rule with him. Before I go any further, I want to encourage you to like our page and to hit the bell icon if you see it at the bottom of your screen so you can be notified anytime we upload new videos. I also want you to subscribe. If there's a subscribe icon on the video there, please click on it so you can be subscribed to our channel. We also upload videos onto Facebook where so you can check us out at the Emerging Temple, our handle Emerging Temple on Facebook and you can interact with us for dialogue both there and on this on the platform you're watching us through. I also want to encourage you, if you'd like to support us, to go to patreon.com and look for our handle there, Emerging Temple, and you can support us with a monthly charitable gift to help us keep this program on the air and also to be able to you know, get new equipment. All right, that said, um, I want us to build upon what we began to talk about um, last week, we began to discuss um, the the um, the temple. We discussed um, the earthly temple, the heavenly temple, and we ended up on Friday looking at the the twelfth uh, chapter of the Revelation, and we tried to analyze it as best we could and compare it with um, the book of Daniel. I think was the seventh chapter, and what we began to talk about was about the the coming government of people who God is going to bring forth out of the heavenly church. And we looked there, we saw the woman who was standing upon the moon, and we said that the woman standing upon the moon was the church that was on a frequency in which it was worthy to have to have to bring forth the the man child who was to rule all nations. We said this man child was a collective of people who had, you know, who would be brought forth out of this church at the end of time to rule with Christ um, in, in the last days. Okay, so this week, we want to continue on that theme, but we want to look, do a little bit of eschatology, which is, want to do a little bit of um, study of end times um, on the basis of the things that Jesus has said in the, in the book of Luke um, concerning the end of time, so we can kind of get some direction directly from the master himself so that uh, most of what we're saying is not subject to, you know, our own personal interpretation, but it can be backed up by the word of God. All right. So um, why don't we take, uh, why don't we begin by uh, looking at the book of Luke and it's the 21st chapter. Okay. Luke chapter 21. And we say verse 5 to 28. Luke chapter 21 from verse 5 to 28. It says, And some spake of the temple, how it was adorned with goodly stones and gifts. And he said, As for these things which ye behold, the days will come in the which there shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Okay. Let's talk about just these two verses as a, as a foundation. Now, when Jesus said this, he said, 
you, you, in some other versions, you read where he was confronted by the Pharisees and Sadducees, and they said, look, this building took 40 years to build, and you can raise it up in three days. And the scriptures tell us that they didn't understand that he was speaking about the temple of his body. Now, we are the body of Christ. So certainly, he wasn't just referring to his death and resurrection, which took place 2,000 years ago. He was referring to the rising up or the resurrection of his own people. Okay, That's the temple he was referring to. The raising up of a people from the hardship of sin and, and, and weaknesses to a place of power and authority in the spirit and in God. All right. And that's the raising up we're talking about. And this raising up takes place as you receive the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. OK, so let's go back to the scriptures. I just wanted us you know, to analyze that briefly because we're going in context now. OK. All right. All right. Verse seven. And they asked him, saying, Master, but when shall these things be? And what shall be, and, and what sign will there be when these things shall come to pass? And he said, take heed that you be not deceived. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and the time draweth near. Go ye not therefore after them. But when ye shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified. For these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. Verse 10, then said he unto them, nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and great earthquakes shall be in diverse places and famines and pestilences and fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven. But before all these, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues. Synagogues there could mean churches, mosques, religious places, okay? Um, delivering you up to the synagogues and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. Kings and rulers can be judges, magistrates, governors, you know, whatever, okay? Uh, courts of law, etc. Verse 13, and it shall turn to you for a testament. That means it will be an opportunity for you to testify about Christ. Verse 14, settle it therefore in your hearts, not to meditate before what you shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. And ye shall be betrayed, both by parents and brethren and kinsfolk and friends. And some of you shall they cause to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But, shall, but there shall not an hair of your head perish. In your patience possess ye your souls. Verse 20. And when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Okay, I want to stop here for a second, okay? Now, friends, you see, when Jesus talks about Jerusalem being surrounded by soldiers or by enemies, I don't want you to just concentrate on the physical Jerusalem that exists right there in the Middle East right now. That's where most Christians have put their mind, okay? 
the, the Jerusalem that Jesus is talking about is the is the is the um, society of believers. Okay, that we are going to be encompassed by all manner of trials and temptations and tribulations at this time. Okay, I need us to understand that. Now look. We know that in history, Jerusalem was sacked in 70 AD and all of that. I get that. But, you know, this scripture wasn't written because of that. This scripture was written because of the end times. Jesus was speaking about our times. His concern, his primary concern was for those of us who were believers at this time. Okay? And that's what he was talking about. He's talking about the Jerusalem that is above. That's the church. That is us. Okay? The spiritual Jerusalem. Okay? All right. So I just wanted to take time out to try to explain to you what Jerusalem Jesus is referring to there. And the armies he's referring to there are not just this, but I want us to keep our eyes on the prize. The heavenly Jerusalem and the spiritual forces are going to go into battle. Patreon. Okay? And they are going to encompass this heavenly Jerusalem, which is who? The body of believers. Those who maintain faithfulness to the words of Jesus Christ. Okay? All right. Verse 21 says, then, that's when this is going on, then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains and let them which are in the midst of it depart out and let not them that are in the countries enter therein. Friends, I want to tell you something. With a kind of um, infrared sighting and airplanes and, you know, um, drones and this, I mean, there's nowhere to hide. So, Obviously, Jesus is talking about something deeper than just physical going to hide somewhere, right? Verse 22, for these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. So you can see this is talking about something in the future, okay? Verse 23, but woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days, for there shall be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people, okay? All right. Now, I want to take a moment. Notice there he said, woe unto them who are pregnant or who are nursing children at this time. Okay? He's not just talking about physical children or being physically pregnant. He's talking about those of us who are burdened with the cares of this life. You want to be in political office. You want to become a governor. You want to become a senator. You want to become president. You want to be a business owner that owns the biggest franchise in the town. You, 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 you're so burdened by so many things, okay? You, 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 you want to get married. You want to, all these things, all these burdens, all these things that burden you, that make you feel sad, that make you feel legitimate things. By the way, none of these things I just mentioned are bad. It's the fact that they burden you. And that's why Jesus says, woe unto you who's with child. It's almost as though you're pregnant. You're carrying a weight around with you. That's what he's referring to here, okay? All right, let's continue. Verse 24. Now let's read 23 again. But woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. For there shall be great distress in the land, and wrath upon this people. Verse 24. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive, into all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles 
until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken and, there sh and then shall they see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your head for your redemption draweth nigh. Okay. Okay. So you, you can see there, he says that Jerusalem will be taken captive and sold to the ends of the earth. Okay. And during this period of time, there'll be wars around the whole, the whole world. Well, where, where, where's, where were the wars around the whole earth when Jerusalem was destroyed in AD 70? Okay, he's talking about the heavenly Jerusalem. He's talking about us, the Christians, being taken captive by the, our desires and by the things of this world. That's the captivity he's talking about. Okay, all right. So I just want you to you know, hold on to that. I want us to build on that and have this understanding that we're living in a very precarious time. He talks about the whole world being on fire. During the time of Jesus, they used bows and arrows okay, and swords and shields. They didn't have nuclear weapons. They didn't have tanks. They didn't have bullets. Now, today, we have one nuclear bomb that is a thousand times stronger than the bomb that was used in Hiroshima. And we have tens of thousands of these things in so many different countries. We, those that we know, not to talk about what we don't even know about, okay? And the scriptures tell us that there's coming a burning of the earth, that the former world was destroyed with the flood during Noah, but this world that we're in is going to be destroyed with great fire, okay? Now, I want to share a clip with us, as I often do, about, uh, from a man who most of us who might not remember, um, most of my audience might not even know this man, but it's something you, you need to know about. This is the last ruler of communist Soviet Union, a man called Mikhail Gorbachev. Very old now in his 90s, but he's still alive. And I wanted, he spoke just last week, and I wanted us to listen to what this man has to say about the time we're in, okay? This is the man that permitted Germany to be reunified, okay? I want us to listen to this man. It's like about an eight-minute clip, but I need to listen to what he's saying about the times in which we're living in. Okay, friends, let's listen in. Опасно, по вашему мнению, вот, нынешнее противостояние России-Запад? Пока есть особенно оружие и масса уничтожения, и ядерное в первую очередь, это колоссальная опасность. Причем может это произойти независимо от политических решений. Или... Сколько сейчас у нас подлого народа, который взрывает то там, то там.
так они же могут взять контроль и одеть над каким-то частью оружия. А если пойдет оружие, то ответ же пойдет. Поэтому нельзя допустить этого. Вот все народы должны заявить, все народы, что ядерное оружие должно быть уничтожено. Это мы будем спасать себя и планету. Я был в Японии и был в Нагасаке. Там до сих пор еще не успокоилось место, на которое были сброшены первые бомбы американцами. А для чего делали, спрашивается, американцы? Чтобы предупредить всех. Слушайте нас или мы вас вот так. На японский манер одной бомбочкой. Ну-то я рассуждаю так. А для чего еще бомбят? Боюсь, что не, про... не ушли все те. От них мы не освободились. А когда там это вот происходит, то у нас реакция очень острая происходит. В стране, в которой столько было разрушено войной, в стране, в которой погибли миллионы, действительно миллионы людей. Это так воспринимается, принимается по-особому, как ни у кого. Когда я стал кенсеком и поехал по городам и селам страны, ездил чтобы пообщаться с людьми, как бы и представиться, и поговорить. Боже, ни о чем мне не пришлось говорить, только об одном. Все говорят, Михаил Сергеевич, что бы там ни было, не хватает еды, будет она, у нас все есть, земли сделаем, того, другого. Справимся, не допустите войны. Я был потрясен. Так народ был. Так он пережил эту войну. Вот раньше говорили, холодная война. Холодная война. Да? Как бы вы сегодня назвали э, противостояние России Запад? Это холодная война, это что-то другое. Охлажденная но война. Да, ну видите, то там, то там идут столкновения, расстрелы, туда то летят, туда плывут. Не та обстановка, которая нужна. Нужно обеспечить бескровную ситуацию, выход из всего того, что мы пережили за все эти десятилетия. Это была точка зрения такая, вот так, без крови. Не допустить, чтобы огромное дело, касающееся немцев, нас, 
всей Европы, всего мира. Это ваше решение. На Политбюро. Не допустить этого. Я должен сказать, были обращения. Не очень хотели объединения. Да даже Маргарет Тэтчер. И, конечно, и французы хотели. Мы заявили, что мы не будем вмешиваться. Это дело немцев. Пусть они решат. Что вы думаете о, о том, что в России происходит? Потому что есть ощущение, что подавляется демократия. Вас это волнует, то, что в России? Волнует. Надо бы лучше, надо бы быстрее, надо бы эффективнее. Но это, знаете, когда вот мы сидим и даем интервью и пишем, то это легче сделать. Ваши книги, я читал, вы писали про сменяемость власти, важность сменяемости власти, да? Но получается, что в России вот система построена вокруг одного человека, Путина. В чем опасность вот такой системы? Один... Я то остаюсь, мне такое, что надо менять. Мы же и в Конституции это приняли. Вот. Но складываются и надо так внутренние процессы, что такая, когда переход от одного перевода к другому и приход новых людей, они не готовы еще все вот так сказать и взять на себя. И в данном случае... У президента нашего сегодняшнего, ну я так говорю, президент его, как будто я не знаю, как его зовут. Короче говоря, у нашего президента досталось наследство такое, что дело он имел с хаосом. И все увидели, что он хаоса остановил процесс этот, взял в руки все по-настоящему. По-моему, доходит до нас по прессе, что народ за то, что пусть он еще до конца доведет, еще не все сделано. Я за то, чтобы следовать закону. Но я вам скажу. У меня никогда не поднимается голос против или что-то, если за это выступит весь народ. Вы были свидетелем распада страны СССР. А у нас сейчас, в Соединенном Королевстве, некоторые опасаются, что Брексит приведет к распаду нашей страны. Как вы думаете, есть такое опасение? Вот что наша страна... Соображайте, умники, умники, англичане. Я уважаю англичан. Это талантливая страна, могучая страна. Не буду совета вам давать. Вы решайте. В жидком, да? Хорошо. Окей, Фред, я просто хотел поделиться с вами. 
that's an elder, an older man who's been there, done that. One of the last from that generation, from the time of Ronald Reagan, Margaret Thatcher. You heard him say that Margaret Thatcher never wanted Germany to be reunified, and neither did France. Many of us never knew this, okay? So when a person like that is telling us where we are, the dangers that we're, we're in, we should take him seriously. Now, the truth is, there's nothing we can do to stop the conflagration that is coming. He says, look, we need to get rid of all these nuclear weapons. We're not going to do that. It's not going to happen. And we are going to use it. And the scriptures have told us what's going to happen. But Jesus has come to save us from this destruction. He says, for the sake of the elect, those days shall be shortened. Otherwise, no flesh would be saved. Let's take a look at the book of uh, Galatians. Galatians chapter 4, verse 22. Galatians chapter 4, verse 22 to 26. It says, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by bondmaid, the other by free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by promise. Which things are an allegory? For these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Hagar. Verse 25, and this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. But the, but, verse 26, but the Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. I want to read verse 25 and 26 again, because this, these are the critical verses here. Okay, And it's related to what we read last week in Revelation 12. It says, verse 25 says, For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. But the Jerusalem which is above is free and is the mother of us all. Okay, so let's stop there for a second. Notice it says here that there's a Jerusalem above and a Jerusalem beneath. Now, the Jerusalem beneath is not this physical Jerusalem somewhere in the Middle East. You can catch a plane and land there today if you want to. That's not what he's referring to. To Jerusalem that is beneath, are the people of God who are operating on a shallow, carnal level. You're seeing things on a human level, okay? You're pretty smart, pretty intelligent, pretty educated, but you do not have spiritual insight. You're not walking in the spirit. You're not walking in love and compassion and understanding. The Jerusalem that is above and the people who are walking in these things, okay? And we're going to take a look one more time at the scripture we looked at last week in the Revelation 12, where we saw the woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet. And I'm saying to you, both the woman and the moon represent the two Jerusalems. The woman above represents the Jerusalem that is above, and the moon beneath represents the Jerusalem that's beneath. So let's take a look at that, okay? 
Okay, we're going to Revelation 12, verse 1 to 5. And it says, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as he was born. And she brought forth a man-child, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God, unto his throne. Okay, let's stop there, okay? Now, on the 15th of November, Friday, I believe it was the 15th of November, if you can look for that broadcast, go through, look for it. We elaborated a little bit more on Revelation 12, but I'm going to touch on it a little bit now. You saw here where it said there was a woman who was pregnant. She was with child. But this is not the bad pregnancy that Jesus was talking about over there. We just saw in the book of Luke where it says, one to them that are with child. Those who were pregnant with concerns. This woman here is pregnant with the concern of the work of God, with the concern of the ministry, the concern about the things of the spirit. That was her, that was her concern. And the dragon was waiting to devour her as soon as she gave birth to what this concern for God will give birth, will, will bring to birth, which were what? The sons of God. Okay? And she was covered, the Bible says, with the glory of the sun, S-U-N. But under her feet was the moon. That meant the moon was in a lower level than she was. And I showed us that look. Wherever you go in scriptures and you see the moon, it's often referring to a woman or the church. Okay? So here we see that the moon represents a church that is fallen. But she doesn't have the glory of the sun. Just like astronomically, when you look, you will see that the moon at night shines light on the earth. But even though the moon has no light, what is it beaming? It's reflecting the light from the sun upon the earth. Okay? So now... You and I find ourselves in a precarious time. Yes, some of us have given our lives to Christ. Some of us are now have peace with God. And we're looking forward to the coming of the Lord. But prior to the coming of the Lord, Jesus tells us that there are going to be a series of events that will seek to knock us off the trajectory in which we're supposed to be when he arrives, okay? And the purpose of this message is to help us understand what some of these things are so we can prepare ourselves. And I'm hoping that some of the scriptures that we've gone through, some of the things I've articulated to you, are things that are going to be able to help you begin your own search, your own quest, your own journey to find out more about the word of God. Many of you live on what I call the Sunday, Sunday diet, okay? Every Sunday morning, you go to some building, they take out two or three scriptures, they bring it out, they knock it around, and you guys are done for the, for the week. Look, if you ate food just once a week, breakfast just once a week, 
no lunch, no nothing, no, no second day of food, no third day of food, you will die of malnutrition. Well, that's what's happening to you now. That's why some of these things I'm saying, which are pretty, to me, simple to understand, seem to, for a lot of people to be really difficult to understand. That's because you're not interacting with the word of God on a daily and a consistent basis. Okay? Listen, you need to have a Bible in your car. 